Good morning. Today is Thursday. It's March the 9th of 2023, and you are tuned in to the Pulse WV Live, a network that beats to the heart of God. Good morning. I'm your host, John Fowler, along with Evangelist Scott Means, World Outreach Ministry. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, John. What's up? Well, another day. I'm enjoying it. Another day in it. No doubt about it. We've got a really strange title for you today, and uh, Scott's named it. It's called Don't Even Think About It. So I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be good, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, definitely for sure. Do you say what you said uh, just a few minutes ago before we went on the air about about how God does things with these morsels, these little tidbits of things that He gives us? Well, I found that uh, get a little closer. You know, as there. we as we go. get saved and we begin to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, John, He gives us. You know, looking back, I can see how he gives us those little morsels. And, you know, you chew on that, and you get the flavor out of it. Um, and, you know, I think that that has to happen before God can give you more. Because, you know, God can overwhelm you. I mean, I and I've had him overwhelm me and just drop things in my, you know, in the Word and reveal something to me that, you know, it would make your head swim. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had to remind him a few times, Lord, your thoughts are so much higher than ours. Yeah, uh, you know my dad does that. You know he's kind of a walking encyclopedia in the construction industry, and you know he just takes for granted that everybody knows what he knows. And uh, but and I know God understands that. But uh, I'm just thankful that he just uh, you know he just builds us one scripture, you know one one topic, one day at a time. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I look back down through the years, you know, I got saved when I was 17 and really became a student of the Word when I was probably around 20, 21 years old. And, you know, reading the Word of God all those years, and you realize, John, just how complex the Word of God is. It, as you turn the pages, it's almost like you can take one scripture, even sometimes one word that Jesus spoke, and, and there's so many layers that you can uncover. Just those morsels just keep coming. And you think, well, you've searched that scripture out and you know everything about it. And then, you know, six months later, six years later, God will open up a totally new revelation to that scripture. Right. And uh, the word of God is alive. It's amazing. Yes. Um, I'm preaching on Sunday morning um, something that I had really never thought about. And, and it's like you were talking about. I was listening to Pastor Jay's message uh, this past week, and he wasn't preaching on this, but he was talking. He was talking about it over in John chapter five, the pool of Bethesda, and the man at the pool of Bethesda. There's two things I thought about. He had he had been sick for 38 years. All right, but what I thought about is, had he been at that pool for 38 years? And I'm thinking, okay. I thought about that. And then another thing I thought about was he said, I have no one. That's what he said. So that's what I'm preaching on Sunday. Because I've read that thing, just like you have too. We've read it and read it and read it and reread it and wore it out. And then I come across that, I have no one. And I think, okay, I'm preaching on that Sunday. And so I sat here after Pastor Jay's message. You know, of course, I'm listening to it. And I sat here and, and uh, did the sermon on it. Yeah. And uh, because it's just amazing, the uh, the things that, and then other things I think about, it's like, you know, that place was packed. Why was Jesus, he could have had a huge healing right there, but he chose one man. Yes. So it, it's like, you know, God's way, like you said, God's ways are higher than our ways and his ways are, you know, greater than ours. But uh, I like thinking about stuff like that because it just, uh, I just think it's just pretty cool how yeah. all that works. Yes, and uh, well, you know the 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 Lord He had, there's God has times and seasons that He put that He's putting His own power, and uh, you know nobody understands why Jesus would have just chose the one man, uh, probably because people were walking over top of Him, yeah. and and I've kind of looked at that that um, you know sometimes in our lives we feel like we've been left out, but Jesus always comes along. Yes, he does. And uh, he always meets our need or does what we need. And uh, I know I always think of that scripture, God esteemeth one man one day and another man another day alike. So, That's good. So everybody's going to have their day. Right. So 
God yeah. doesn't miss anything. Blind Bartimaeus. Yes. You know, that's another, that's another thing that, you, that I think about is um, why in the world did they write down in there that he threw his cloak away? He, he threw it away. And a lot of people bypass that stuff. Olivia and I were talking about that on a podcast one day. And, and these little things, uh, Scott, mean something. Just like the woman leaving the pot at the well because she got living water that day, left the pot. A lot of these things people forget about, and they just blow right over top of it, and there's significance to yes, those things. Yes, You know. So what scripture you have today? Well, I'm back in Luke chapter 12, um, still continuing on the same topic. And, uh, you know, I know, John, that I'm saying some things that the flesh does not want to hear. Uh, but if, if you all stick with me a little while, this is going somewhere. Because, you know, what I found with Jesus if we will give him what he asks of us, we're going to be glad we did That's because right. he always outgives us, Brother John. Yes. And, uh, and I believe the Lord right now is trying to refocus the church uh, to bring us back to the old path, um, you know, to bring us back to where he's leading and we're following. Last night I um, was uh, up at the uh, youth service up at, uh, up at Young's Bottom, and, you know, we were talking about uh, where Hannah had, uh, you know, where, you know, she was barren. And uh, Eli, you know, thought she was, uh, she drank too much wine, thought she was drunk. And, you know, she was just pouring out her heart to God. And now um, her husband's other wife was mocking her because she had children. Uh, but at the end of the day... You know, God gave Hannah Samuel. And when you think about that, Samuel was one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. Yes. He was awesome. And, uh, you know, so, but I believe that God had to allow Hannah to get to the place that he wanted her to be. Because a lot of times we want to tell God what to do. We pray these prayers telling God what to do. Well, John, really, in essence, what God's trying to do is to get us where he wants us to be. Right. You know, to find the will, the purpose for our lives. So I think, in my opinion, Hannah had to come to the place that she was desperate so that she would cry out in the way that God wanted her to because, uh, you know, the church was a mess. Hot Phineas and uh, Phineas, Eli's sons, were corrupted, and God was about to raise up a prophet. The lamp of God was not going to go out, and God worked through Hannah's life. She went through an ordeal there. But at the end of the day, I, I just kind of got this picture of Hannah as she was sewing those little coats that she would send to Samuel, uh, you know, and looking at her uh, her husband's other wife that was mocking her. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, you mock me, but I have a son that's in the temple of God and a great man of God and being used of God. So, I, th you know, I think at the end she had the last laugh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we go through things and don't understand, but we, we forget we're going through it. Right. There's always there's always a payday. There's always a reward when we when we're faithful to God. God will reward us for our works. Yeah, it seems like that what happens many times <laughs> is people will hang tight going through it to where they get stuck in it instead of going through it. Yes. Yeah, why is the reason? Why why do people do that? Well, we get focused on the winds and the waves. Yeah. You know, I, I had some things going on yesterday uh, and, you know, I was still dealing with that this morning and coming down the road. I said, all right, Lord, I'm not wrestling with winds and waves. You know, Lord, you know, you're in my boat and you speak to the storms. I've, I don't have time for this. I'm not going to I'm wiping my mind of it and I'm not wrestling with it. Lord, that the battle's yours and the victory's mine. And at that moment, John, I had peace and I've had peace the rest of the morning. Amen. And those things come. But you could, you got to make a decision if you're going to. You know, if you're going to wrestle with it or wrangle with it, right. or you're going to you're going to turn it over to God, right? Yeah, because a lot of times these things that it should mature us, it should make us better, not bitter, but should should mature us in those ways. You know, we're all going to go through things that are going to help us to be better. We hope, yes. You know, but I mean, <clears throat> but I think so many times, and you know this as well as I do, people. They'll start making deals with God. If you bring mommy out of this or you heal daddy, then I'll serve you all the rest of my life. And people need to quit doing that. Yes. You know, because they're just going <clears> to <throat> they're just gonna make a mess of things, yes. you know, as they go through it. So what about with Hannah and, uh, and with Samuel? 
Uh, you're in Luke chapter 12, what verse? Well, I was I was just referring to something oh, last okay. night, so I'm going another direction. So, Oh, okay. I got you. Sometimes you got to, I'm like, <laughs> Like John Sandy, you got to hang on. Hang on. So keeps you coming back. <laughs> yeah, uh, Luke chapter twelve, and I want to touch on something here uh, in verse verse fifteen, and then I'm going to move on. Jesus said, "Take heed and beware covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of things which he possesses." And then he went on to the story that you know the man's ground produced bountifully, and uh, you know he. He built bigger barns to store it in. And I think that that's the focus that Jesus had here. And, uh, and again, I want to say there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. It's just what you do with it that matters. You know, Jesus wants our heart. Uh, I don't think it really matters what we have, but as long as uh, Jesus has us above and beyond anything else. Yes. And so he went on to say, and John, this scripture right here that I'm getting ready to go to, to. What was the title topic of the message again? It's don't even think about don't it. Don't even think about <laughs> yeah. it. I, was, I knew I was going to forget that. But in verse 22, Luke chapter 12, verse 22, Jesus, and he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. Now, I've just said a mouthful there. Yeah. Take no thought for your life. And, John, this has revolutionized my life because what he's really saying is, is have no anxiety. That's Don't good. be troubled about all these things, all this stuff. And uh, how many nights have we spent awake all night long, sometimes wrestled for days, weeks, and months, and all of a sudden the Lord would turn that situation. And, you know, he had planned to do that all along. And I've thought back about that. How many times have I spent time wrangling with things, wrestling with things? It was a waste of my time because Jesus was going to do it, and he's always going to do it. He's promised that, that we don't have to take any thought for our life. John, if, if we could get a revelation of that, we'll see the power of God turn the United States of America upside down. And we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of wrangling with these things. that, And, you know, Satan keeps us occupied with that. Yes. You know, he key, as long as he can keep our focus off the things of God, then the things of God are not happening. And so he's, he is a master at uh, wasting our time because w questioning God to me is a waste of time. You know, all my life God has proven to me that he's faithful. I can't think of one time in my life God has ever let me down. I got saved when I was 17 years old, and I'm 61 now. And, you know, at any time I could quit on God, go back to the world, and forget this. But God has proven to me down through the years he is my source of everything, of all life. Amen. I woke up this morning. That is a proof to me that God has still given breath to every living creature. And, and that's the God I serve. So when you think about this, take no thought for your, for your life. Um, you know, we're all thinking about how we're going to pay the bills, how we're going to get this done, and how all these things are going to happen. And Jesus describes this to us, um, and he goes on. He says, verse 23, he said, The life is more than meat, and the body more than raiment or clothing. He said, Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn. Now, he was just talking about the rich man. He said, you know, they don't have a barn to store their food. You know, winter comes, all, everything's gone, but God, but listen to what he said, and God feeds them. And how much more are you better than the fowls? So you think about what I've said right there, those of you all out there that are listening. You know, I know you've got problems. You've got mountains stand before you, but Jesus Christ is still the mountain mover. Amen. You know, because, you know, I've had, I've had plenty, and I've, buddy, John, I've had to depend on God for my next meal. But it's not about whether you have a, a plenty or you have you don't have your next meal. You know, the thing that we miss in this is the is the constant is Jesus Christ. Let me go back and give you the give me let me go back and give you a couple things on Luke chapter uh twelve and fifteen. Uh NIV, <clears throat> NIV says this. It says, Then he said unto them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of in the abundance of possessions. Yes. Uh, New Living Translation, it says also, uh, or the uh, yeah, the New Living says this, beware, uh, uh, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. 
And so, you know, I always like to go back and take another swing at that sometimes and see if there's something else there that, that, you know, we may, that, that may be good. But yeah, it's like, it's like in this world, you are measured by what you own, but not according to God. Yes. Because according to God, then it goes along with verse 22 and 23 on how he wants us to be. Yes. And that's, that's what you call Trust Street, and it's not very busy. Remember how Capitol Street used to be busy yeah. back in the 70s and 80s Yep. Uh, before the mall came in in yes. 86? Those, those streets were busy on the weekends. and But you can think Trust Street today is not busy. Yes. And why is that? Well, we just had too much stuff. Our dependence has become on our bank accounts. Uh, you know, all these comforts that we have around us, um, we really haven't had to depend on God and trust God, John. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I've, I've had a struggle throughout my life. And one time I was fussing at God because you know, I didn't have the things that I that I needed. And, and the Lord spoke to me one day, John, and he said, Scott, he said, you know, you're more wealthy than the Rockefeller family. Wow. And, and I thought, and, you know, the Lord will just leave you blank, you know, uh, and I just kept thinking about that. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Scott, he said, the, the, the wealthy, those the mega wealthy people have never had to trust me to take care of them. And he said, Scott, throughout your life, I've taken care of you. John, he's fed me. I, I lived this. I mean, there I could tell story after story after story how God has made a way where there was none. But God was showing me this this picture you know he was giving me these morsels to help Mm -hmm. me come to the place one day to where i would fully trust him and know that no matter what i'm facing he will take care of me and he does that so we can tell others about the same god that we know john there are people that go through horrible situations and stuff and i i remember i mean you know it it, it'll put you in uh insane i mean it, it, it it'll push you to a nervous breakdown but you really don't have to go there because, you know, we can rest in God. We know that God has this. Yes. But, you know, we've lived in so much comfort in this nation, we haven't had to live this life. And, he's, you know, what he was saying to me, Scott, you know, you're wealthier than the Rockefellers because, John, if we really understand the Word of God, Jesus Christ is the true riches. That's true. You're right. Exactly. When you look at when you look at what you say with verse 20, 24, you know, I look at— um, you know, I look at the birds a lot um, before I get ready to fly because it kind of tells you what the winds are doing, and uh, and you can look up you can look up about five hundred or a thousand feet, and if a bird is flapping its wings, then the wind is down. But if the, the if the if the wings on the on the bird are straight out and he's just enjoying the enjoying the the journey, so to speak, um, then there's a lot of wind. Yes. Here's the thing. <clears throat> is I believe God wants us to soar like eagles. What the scripture says, you know, and, and we can do that. But if we're constantly flapping and we're doing it ourselves, instead of being directed by the winds of the Holy Spirit, so to speak, if you see the analogy with, with, with where yes. I'm going there, yes. I mean, we can do this thing on our own, Scott, or we can get in on the waves and the wind of what God wants to do and let him direct us in that way. Yes. I think that's important. And I believe God wants to bring the church in this nation to that place, John. And, uh, you know, like I say, I'm not here trying to be critical. I'm trying, I, you know, God has revealed things in my own life, and I'm so thankful for it. But I believe God wants to take a church, a direction in the United States of America we've never gone before. Right. And I believe it will be the best days that we've ever seen on planet earth in our in our lifetime and uh but i want to i want to continue on with this and he said uh in verse 25 and which of you taking thought can add to his stature one cubit now i wish i could do that stature right. means your height right. and uh, most of you that don't know <laughs> sitting in this chair you know i'm a i'm not very tall and uh and we can't do that it's what jesus you know he talks he speaks practical things that we can understand that we can right. relate to he said, if you then be not able to do the thing which is least, why take you thought of the rest? In other words, don't take thought about any of it. 
Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And I say unto you, Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass which is today, which is today in the field and tomorrow cast into the oven, how much more, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Yeah. Now, John, he, in the church today, we, we are, we drive ourselves crazy in the church world seeking after money. We've got to have money to pay all these things, to keep this ministry afloat. You know, money, 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 money. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen myself, at, you know, to where I was, you know, watching ministers on TV. And I, I'm not trying to put down ministers on TV. You know, some of them are probably okay and some of them may not be. I'm just trying to make a statement here. But it just seemed like for such a long period of time, all you heard about was money. And, uh, and I'm thinking, these are the ministers that minister faith. These are the faith ministers that, you know, and money, 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 you know. And so I, what I've come to, to you know, to, to, to think about or realize here, if they have faith, why aren't they trusting God? Right. You know, why are they freaking out over money? And it's kind of the, you know, the, the environment that's in this nation. I think it stems because we've just used to been having so much. And, right. you know, you think about the rich man um, that, that came to Jesus and, you know, he came running to Jesus, just so proud of himself and said, Lord, he said, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord said, well, you know, the commandments. Mm -hmm. And he said, yes, sir, Lord, I've kept them all from my youth. And Jesus said, well, loving him, Jesus loving him, looked at him and said, well, he said, uh, sell all that you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the man walked away sorrowful because he had great wealth. John, that man missed it. Yeah. I mean, what, what kind of wealth? What could a man own that would even compare to be able to be able to be where where Peter was, where John, where these great disciples that became the apostles? You know, you think about what that young man walked away from there. Yeah. And John, we're doing that. You know, we're getting so caught up in the stuff and all the things and everything and the comforts of life that we're missing the life. And, you know, I've said it this way. There's too much preaching about living today. We need some preaching about dying. Wow. We need, because, you know, until we die to this world, the life of Christ Jesus will not be lived through our life. And that's where God is trying to bring us to. The church is so alive with stuff and things and the wealth of this world in this country God is trying to get us to die out to those things and die out to self so that he can do one of the greatest things that we've ever known. And I'm coming to that. If you all will stick with me, I know this is painful to hear the things that I'm saying. And because uh, you're, you know, this is a man that owns a business. And I struggled with that for years, John, you know, uh, because, you know, my business was kind of a conflict with ministry. Well, God, God finally got me to the place that I was, okay, Lord. You know, if you want me to walk away from this business, whatever, whatever you want. I, I got to the place, John, nothing matters to me anymore. I'm so thankful for that. You know, there. The, I mean, I'm just ready to go to heaven. The only thing that bothers me is a conversation we had a while ago is about the people that aren't ready. I yeah. want my, all my family members. I, I want everybody in the world to go to heaven. Right. I don't want nobody to miss that. And so that, that you know, weighs on me heavily. Uh, but, you know, there is so much that God could do. You just think of this. You know, how much more could God do with your life than you can? Wow, that's good. And and to and to know that, to ever experience that, we've got to come to the place that, you know, we, we give out, we sell out to God. And so, you know, Jesus is trying to explain that here, you know, because it's amazing how he looks ahead in time and sees our day. But, you know, people never change. They, Jesus was speaking the same message then, and it had the same impact, it had the same need as it does in our day. Let me ask you something. The man, the the rich young ruler, okay, <clears throat> Jesus is having a conversation with him. He says, you lack one thing. Do you know how amazing I would be and you would yeah, be if I'd we just it, lacked yes. one yep, thing? Yep. <laughs> we People couldn't stand us. Hey. And it's like, okay, this guy, this dude lacked one thing. Yeah, he was close. Yeah, he was he close. He was close, John. And, so what was the thing he lacked? What do you think it was? Giving his heart to Christ. Because Couldn't give up the world, about, could he? You think about Bartimaeus. Yeah. 
half of my goods I give to the poor. If I've defrauded any man, yeah, you know, and the Lord said. He was taking up for himself. This day, <laughs> salvation has come to your house. Right. Now, the Lord didn't ask him all. Right. He gave half. Right. Well, he asked the rich man all. Right. But that's it wasn't the stuff that Jesus was after. Jesus was after their heart. Yeah. And Zacchaeus was, tell, Zacchaeus was telling the Lord, Lord, you have my heart. Right. And uh, it's not about the things. It's not about the stuff. But it is because we don't realize, John, how much things in this world separate us yeah. from the purpose in the life of Christ. And yeah. that every, I've learned every morning I give my life to Jesus every day. Yeah. Because I can truly say that in the past that wasn't the case. Right. And so I try to keep myself in check every day. Scott, you've got to let Jesus live today. You know, you've lived your whole life. You know, where could you be today? I, I think back, John, wonder what God, where, where things would be now yeah. if, I had, if I had this revelation 30 years ago. You know, and I could have just sold out lock, stock, and barrel. Now, you know, I did, but, you know, the Lord does take bits and pieces of us along the way because some of us, we just couldn't handle that. Right. You know, 30 years ago, well, even maybe 10 years ago, if Jesus would ask me what he asked that rich man, I'd have probably made the same decision. Back about 30 years ago was when the prosperity message came about. And we were, Christy and I, and, and if I named this preacher, you would know it, and um we were watching. Uh, we were watching this this preacher on TV, and they were taking the offering, and they had a special guest singer there, and he, those two were working, kind of working the sanctuary a little bit, and um, well, no, it was more more of a whole lot, and so he's talking about you know why you should give, why you should give, why you should, you should give, and then this guy looks over at the main pastor and says, "Do I need to keep pushing this? Do you want me to keep pushing it?" You know, like trying to get money out of people. I know that <clears throat> you come out of the Southern Gospel uh, world like I did, like I do. Still love it to this day. But I know that <clears throat> you can. There was a there was a, a fella uh, who's passed away now who used to have a conference once a year on how that you could uh, get more money out of a congregation during a Southern Gospel concert. And he said, <clears throat> how you do it is you would um, get them emotional. This, these people went to this, this seminar. Yeah. Get them emotional, start singing about mommy and daddy going to heaven. And, and then after you do that, you kick into a 4-4 four, four beat song. Like, you know, you remember the old song, thank God I am free, free, yeah. Yeah. free, free. And, and so they had done studies to show that, and then you take the offering because you've got people emotional and people give more. Now, <clears throat> I've never done that, nor will I ever do that. But number two, here's the thing. We cannot, we cannot manipulate the pulpit to get into people's pockets. Amen. What we need yes. to do from the pulpit is to get into their souls. Yes. And I'm thinking, when I heard that 30 years ago, I thought, and I've never thought anything good of that of that person, even when I see them on TV to this day and they're dead, you know, and I'm thinking, that's awful that people would do that. You got any comments on that? Well, it's just like, okay, Jesus said, yeah, we're talking about a trust issue here. Right. Um, you know, do we really believe Jesus can do this? I mean, I we, do. we get this attitude it. that we have <laughs> to have money. One of these great prosperity ministers, and if I, I'm not here to bash people or, or call names, um, you know, the Lord, the Lord brought me through this. Right. And uh, so I'm not here. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, the Lord brought him out of law to grace, and the Apostle Paul didn't, he wasn't criticizing the people because they were still under law. He was trying to reach those people. And um, so he, uh, you know, he just he just continued to reach out because he wanted to see them have the change that he had. Right. And uh, this one, this one minister talked about us in the Appalachians, and he said, "You all have preached the, the this poverty message, this poor message." He said, "And you're so poor that you couldn't even get the gospel out of the county." And he was, you know, yeah, he had jet set it all over the world and things, right. John. 
But I, I don't think that story's over because, buddy, those of you that live in the rest of the United States of America or wherever in the world you may be watching this podcast, there is a rumbling in the mulberry trees in the Appalachians. Yes, there God is. God is up to something here. Yeah, he and is. God is going to show us that we don't have to have millions of dollars of money, TV, radio, or anything. No. You know, God did it then, and he can still do it now. Right. And the work that God did on this earth in Jesus' day and in the apostles' day was not done through wealth. It right. was done through some of the most, you know, the poorest people. And, uh, you know, so we got to be careful that we don't get our emphasis on money to be able to preach the gospel. All we need to preach the gospel is Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard of Dutch Sheets? No. He was in Huntington over the weekend, and I watched his—he um, <clears throat> he deals a lot in the in the prophetic. And uh, he's, he's, he's really kind of dry, but he, he's really good. I mean, he really is good. I sat and listened to him um, this past weekend. And one of the things that he said was he felt like over the tri-state, over Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia, that he felt that there was a dark cloud, a spiritual dark cloud that has been over this, over the tri-state. He said, but he believes that the Lord is about to, to, to move that out of the way. Yes. Uh, and then he also said that he thought, and he believed that the Lord was going to raise up the 20s and the 30s, and there was going to be some, you know, there was going to be something big that's going to happen in the twenties and the thirties, thirty-year-olds, and um, and then one minister that I heard, and uh, and you know, I don't follow any particular people, you know, it's like, but I hear things, you know, over over the day, and uh, said that God was going to do something big with little people. Yes. Not yes. not the big evangelist, you know. Like for an example, this uh, this revival that's been going on in Asbury, you know, the big dogs have been wanting to come into it. They've requested, you know, the big dogs are wanting to come in and preach at this revival, and um, and he said no. Yes, he said no. Now, I think you talked about that too uh, when you did the tent meeting up in Braxton County. That if any of the big dogs ever wanted to show up, you wanted to keep it just with the local. Yes, guys. yes, and so. I think that there's something to that. Yes. What do you think? Well, Jesus, God's not going to give his glory to a man, John. No. There is a reason. You know, the reason I'm looking at all this, whenever whenever my church collapsed 15 years ago, I asked the Lord a question. I may have said this the other day on another, on another program. But, you know, I, I was honest with myself and honest with God. I, I looked. I just said, Lord, I know there's nothing wrong with you, so you show me what's wrong with me. God's never wrong. No. So he, I said, and Lord, show me your salvation. I mean, up until, I mean, John, you're, I've studied my Bible all my life. Right. And I knew that I, there were some things that I just didn't have right. Because what I was looking at was the mess. Here I've got this mess. Everything has fallen apart. Nothing is, the, the Lamentations, the Book of Lamentations, nothing good under the sun. Right. And, uh, but I was looking at our whole nation. Now, John, if we look at our nation, one nation under God, a nation that had during the early 1900s, mid to late 1800s, early 1900s, that had such a move of God that it shook the whole world. Right. This nation, I mean, people went to church. We had a moral nation, a nation that loved the world, that if there was a disaster, anything happened. I mean, the hand of the United States of America was going out. I believe the skeptor. Uh, I believe that we were called by God as Israel was in their day. I believe the United States of America is a modern-day Israel of God. There are more Christians, especially in that day in the United States of America, than probably the rest of the nations of the world combined. As As Israel was the light of God to the world, the United States was also the gospel. All of these ministers that were going out, missionaries, Bibles that were being printed. You think about what this nation was, one nation under God. But now all of a sudden, John, I'm sitting in all this mess. Look at this. I'm thinking, man, we are messed up. You know, our nation is not one nation under God anymore. What has happened here? And it comes to a point in time, John, you have to ask questions. Right. And, you know, when you ask God a question, God will give you an answer. And this is the answer he gave me when I said, Lord, what's wrong with me? He said, Scott, he said, the floods, he said, uh, 
the floods were all, I said, well, Lord, how do I know when I'm on the right foundation? How I'm looking, I'm searching, John, trying to find the answers. And he said, Scott, the floods will always come and go and he, or always come. And he said, you will not know if you were founded on me until after the flood has come and gone. After it does its damage. If the flood doesn't affect you, you're founded on Jesus. If you're swept away, you weren't. And so here I am, I'm sitting in ruins. And, John, I have to be honest. I said, so I knew something wasn't right. So it started. I started seeking God, searching God. I threw away all doctrine, everything. I, I, was, I said, Lord, I'm wiping my slate clean here. I want you to teach me all over. Lord, I want to know truth. Yeah. And I'm not saying I know everything. John, by, you know, I'm not. We're all learning. But, but you know, God you know has lot, revealed though. some things to me that we need to look at. Our nation is in trouble. Now, I believe the nation will be a reflection of the church. That's my opinion. We have an entitled nation because we have an entitled church. Uh, we have thieves, and, and I'm really probably going to raise the alarms here. Th- we have we have thieves in government that are robbing the, the people because we have thieves in the church that are robbing the people. I can go on and on and on with all these examples. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if the church is, if the church will be the church, if we will be um, lined up with the word of God and live the life of Christ, it will change our nation. You know, we need to come back, whatever our founding fathers had, whatever the church had at the turn of the century, mm-hmm. we need to look at that, John. We need to be we need to be searching, and we need to be asking some questions. And, uh, you know, I want to see the church in the United States of America like the church was, you know, when, when all of these great evangelists and these great ministers and, you know, the great move of God was shaking this nation, and not only shaking the nation, but shaking the world. Have you seen Jesus Revolution yet? No. no you should go I, see that. Go see that movie because it's really good. And it'll, it, it really backs up a lot about what you're saying about the 70s and the 60s. You know, when there was a big revolution of uh, people coming to Jesus and coming off of drugs and, and acid and all that. But let me ask you something. This third great awakening that we keep hearing about, do you believe it's coming? Yes. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and what do you think it's – what do you think's going to uh, – to uh, cause it to happen, is it go back to dying out to yes, self? Yes, like they did in the upper room. Yes, and, and, I, and it? I will get to that. If you all stay with me, I'm coming to that. And I, I have scripture for all that, John. Right. I you, I've always believed that, but I didn't have scripture for it. But I have scripture to prove that we will have an end time of harvest for souls. It, you know, I, plain scripture. That when do you, when was the when was the first and the second great awakening? When were those? Because, I mean, the only person I know probably was alive then would have been John Sandy because him and Moses went to school together. So, you know, I mean, how far back? Because, I mean, I don't remember them. Well, the, the first Great Awakening was whenever around the early 1900s. I'm, I think they say it was somewhere around 1905. And uh, there was a great move of God in like 1850 to 1870, and it was kind of starting that. But there was a huge move of God in the early 1900s. Where was that uh, great Az- revival? Azusa Street. Azusa, Azusa Street. Uh, but there were many others, too. I mean, there had, and you had, uh, what is it, John? Uh, Wesley. John, that was no. the other one. John Whitmore. Whitmore. Uh, that's not his name. But anyway, uh, you know, John, uh, maybe John Edwards. Maybe it's John Edwards. Yeah, Edwards but there were yes. several others. And, uh, you know, God was moving mightily in those days. And, John, mm-hmm. they didn't have – I mean, and I'm not against the, the you know, programming and television and radio. I mean, I believe God will use platforms, you mm-hmm. know, to, to, to preach the gospel. But in those days, they didn't have that. But look how it still shook the nation and shook the world. And yeah. then, you know, you had the Second Great Awakening, which was kind of like um, – it wasn't John Lake. Um, it was the other – I can't think of his name. And it's kind of – you know, there's some some people that uh, you know pushed back against that and said that um, you know that he kind of dramatized things and uh, but really, John, you have to look at the effects, the afterglow. You know, when the Word of God says that uh, these signs shall follow them that believe. Right. Okay. I've always kind of I've been raised up on the lake when I was a kid and on boats and skiing and all that stuff. And, you know, I've always noticed as a boat's going down the lake how glassy the water is. But you look behind it, and there's 
disturbance, the waves, and there's a wake behind it. And I've always felt that that's the way a Christian life should be. You know, there should be an evidence of where we've been. That's and, good. Uh, so, you know, uh, there there's an evidence of these, these awakenings. Um, i give you a couple of other names. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth and Leonard Ravenhill. Yes. Those were some good guys. Yes. Those were Those were some... Uh, I mean, some well, great see, right now, but right now, Smith Wigglesworth said that in a century or something after he, after he died, there would be a great move of God and an awakening that would happen. Um, and now he's being refuted because that hasn't happened at exactly a hundred years. And uh, well, let's see, you know, let's see what happens there. And uh, and you know, those of you all that don't believe in this, that's fine. I mean, I you know, I'm not here to try to change your mind, but just stick around, and you'll be amazed at some of the scripture that God's given me about this. And uh, you know, I'm by not a prophecy scholar by any means. I'm not even a good prophecy student, John. But I can read the Word of God, and when the Word of God is plain as nose on your face and speaking to you things that are plain and simple. Uh, And that's all I'm going to do in the future is I'm going to bring out these scriptures and reveal to people exactly what the Word of God says. Right. And then you can't refute the Word of God. No. No, that's the truth. But I wanted to come back, too, about, uh, you know, you mentioned the, um, you know, the money in the church. John, I think people are sick of hearing about money. I, I believe there's multitudes of people that aren't going to church today that are Christian people, you know, that love God, but they're fed up with church, you know, but they just, people are searching right now. They're looking, Chris, uh, uh, Chris Calger, uh, up at, uh, Chapel Outreach up in Gassaway, um, you know, they, he just, after the 10, he told me, he says, God, he said, you know, he said, I had been up there for a year. The Lord had sent me up there and nothing happened. He said, I left there frustrated. I'd gave up. And he said, I came back up there to pick something up. I was leaving gas away. I was going back to St. Albans and I was done. And he said, I pull in up at the mall and look up on the hill and there sets a tent. And so he, that's where he and I met. So he pulled up on the hill and, you know, found out what was going on, started coming and, uh, you know, he got all confused about that for a little while, John, and, and I've been there. You know, sometimes we wonder where God is, and you think God spoke to us, and then we think he did, and then we think, you know, and there's a lot of that going on right now. But he told me up there at the mission the other night, he said, Scott, he said, this mission is here, and I'm doing what I'm doing. He said, because I saw that tent up there. This is a direct result of you being obedient to God. That's good. And, uh, and that's the way it is, John. It doesn't make us anything because God— has done this before the foundation of the world. I mean, the the, the works from the beginning are already finished. And I, now I know I'm stretching people now, but God already knows the future. He already made plans for the future. If he can just get us to walk in his counsel, to get us to walk in the steps that he has ordained for us before the foundation of the world, I believe we're going to see that awakening, and I believe we're going to see it soon. What do you think is going to be the start of it? Uh Dying. It's going to take dying to live. You know, we can live to this world or we can live in God. And, uh, you know, I've often thought about all of those people that day when Jesus said, except you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part in me. Multitudes walked away, John. All right. I mean, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear this? And they walked away. Then Jesus looked at Peter and said, well, you also go away. But I want you to notice something. Jesus didn't run and say, oh, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Come back. He watched right. him walk away. Yes. You know, this is a choice that we all have to make. And God, you know, God has given us opportunities, John, mm-hmm. and choices we make are life and death. Yes. Choices we make are detrimental to the outcome of our future and outcome of our lives. And so Peter, and Adam, he looked at Peter and Adam and said, will you go away also? And Peter said, Lord, where would we go? John, I'm one of those where would we go people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, the Lord has done shown himself so true to me, I have nowhere else to go. And uh, he said, where will we go? He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not deli- deli- uh, revealed that unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Amen. And so God is revealing himself to, to, to those today, John. And I believe in the, in the thing with Chris up there, he said, Scott, what I'm amazed about is he's, now I have this mission. And he said, you know, we're gathering, we're gathering up clothes, food, and we're distributing food. The other day, they gave him fifteen thousand dollars 
worth of meat. This really? store called him. Their, their, the electric went out, and they called him from down here in St. Albans, and he went and picked up $15,000 worth of food, but I think it was just meat, <clears throat> and took it up there and distributed it to people in need. He said the amazing thing is, Scott, he said it's not just people from the churches that are coming to help us. He said, Scott, there's all kind of people that aren't uh, people who go to church yes. that are coming to be a part of that. John, people are <clears throat> hungry. Yes. For the move of God. And the move of God, Jesus said in that day, they'll say, Lord, when did we feed you? When did we clothe you? When did we visit you when you were in prison? And he said, when you've done it to the least of these, my children. There are people that I believe if we could get the church in in the right place, if we can follow Jesus here, I believe a lot of these people that have been pushed away and frustrated will be there. Yes, I believe that we will be amazed at, at how God can multiply this. And, uh, you know, you think about Pentecost. There's only 120 left. You know, the multitudes had walked away. Right. and uh, But Peter, James, and John, the, 12, the 11 apostles were still there. And I've said it this way. I mean, <clears throat> there was 11 of them left in the upper room when Jesus came walking through the wall. And yeah. I've always said I want to be one of the 11 left when Jesus comes walking through the wall again into the church and does what he's going to do. Right. Because within a few days, they had 3,000 saved and 5,000 saved. God is shaking the world. John, let me tell you something. There ain't enough money in this world that could even compare to be a part of something like that. Right. And then he said he added to the church daily. 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 So what do you tell us as you look in the mirror as we wind down today, as you look in the, in the camera what do you say to those people that are that need help from Jesus? Well, those in the church, some of you may be sitting at home saying, "Well, you know, I'm just I'm just fed up." Uh, you know, don't don't give up on Jesus. Yes, I know that the church has problems, but you know, I also know the whole human race has problems. I have problems. We all have problems. You know, we're all uh, people in need of a savior, and uh, Jesus Christ is that answer. You know, if you're if you're if you're searching whether you're a Christian and you don't know what to do, or maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, you may not even know what I'm talking about right now. Well, let me let me explain something real simple here before we close. Um, you know, you you can spend your whole life searching for answers. Um, we search for it in a in a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse. Um, you know, maybe a job, security, finances, a car, a house. But you know what I've found is that even though when we have all those things, you know, they're, they're new for a while, but then when the search begins again, because you can have all the things that this world has, and you will still not fulfill the void or feel the void that's in your heart. Because Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the only one that can fill that place in your life. I've seen people that are searching through drugs, through alcohol, uh, and a lot of times people do those things because they're just trying to to numb the pain of life, to numb the, the hurt, the struggles that you've been through. You know, I told somebody one time they fuss about a, a young lady that became a, a prostitute and was on the street. And uh, well, we have no idea what that, that woman has went through in her lifetime. Uh, you know, we, we have no idea what she has faced. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we're quick to judge people. And, uh, you know, and we shouldn't do that because we don't know if there was a role reversal. If we were had went through what they went through, we may even be worse off than what they are. And, you know, people are struggling. And I, and I don't mean worse off in a bad way. I'm not calling you names. You can't be much worse off than I was. But there was a point in time in my life that I was at the lowest point in my life. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what the answer was. But thank God somebody told me about Jesus Christ. Amen. No matter where you are, what you've done, the sins that you've committed, Jesus Christ loves you. And he went to Calvary's cross and died for your sins so that today in this, with this little program that you could hear the good news of the gospel. That's what it is, the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can change your situation. If you will call upon him and believe on him, Ask him to forgive you, give you of your sins. Jesus Christ will come into your life, and he will do that, and he will, he will change your life. He will, cause, he will cause all those things and struggles that you've been through, he will take that and make your life brand new and give you a brand new start. And, you know, it's what's so awesome about Jesus, the pain of your past. 
He can even make that down the road to seem like it happened to somebody else. Jesus can heal your broken heart. Yes. He can heal all of those wounds, the pain and suffering that you've been through, and he wants to do that for you right now. You know, you may you may have given up on yourself, but Jesus Christ hasn't given up on you. And, uh, you know, it's not coincidence that you're, that you're seeing this podcast. So right now where you are, if you're tired of your life, if you're tired of losing, if you're tired of being uh, your life being torn and suffering, Jesus Christ can change that. And a simple prayer is all you need. So if you will right now, bow your head right where you are and say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you a sinner. Lord, I repent of my sin. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And Lord, I ask you to come into my heart, into my life. Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross and you arose again. And I believe that you are alive forevermore. I believe that you're the Son of God. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Lord, to do in me what I cannot do myself. And Lord, to fix all the things that are broken and to heal my broken life. In Jesus' name I pray. And if you prayed that prayer, he will do that. And just let us know. Just send us a message and let us know. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. We pray that you have a great day today. And we pray in Jesus' name that God does something big in your life. And one thing that, that uh, Scott said that I just absolutely love is there should be a trail of evidence of where you've been and what God is doing in your life. Because it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. But he also tells us, what was this, the scripture you used a minute ago about uh, things following you? Faith. Um, what was it you said? <laughs> I put you on the spot. It was really good, too. I don't know. Rewatch. Re- just go ahead and rewatch the podcast, and we'll we'll both get it. Hey, have a great day, everybody. We'll see you again next time. Signs and wonders. Signs shall follow and, them that believe. Signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. See, I told you I need to watch. Oh, we do. Else. He he pulled it out of you, didn't he? <laughs> have a great day, everybody.